Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everyone. I am Azrael, Azrael as it gets, and this is The Orbit. As always, I am joined once again by my fellow Eternal Orbit teammates and co-hosts, Mr. Exiles Rhythm hey. and Mr. Rude Clouds. What's up? How are you guys doing today? I was doing okay before I started get beat up, getting beat up by my chair, but no. I'm doing all right. How you doing, Az? <laughs> I'm doing well. Episode nine, guys. Nine. We are one episode away from double digits. Yeah. It's insane. I never it's... thought we'd get here. We'd make it this far. But I'd like to thank the people. Oh, I'm yeah. done. Kind of a real thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it started off like not a real thank you, and then it ended up as one. I thought I was going to go this big, like, impromptu, like, like you know, cheesy tweener oh, yeah. movie speech about how to win the big game and he's just like nope i'm done i'm out that's that's where i was going but i wasn't sure we were ready for it yet yeah we I'm also yeah we're paying exiles by the by the minute for their or by the word for their their time today so. oh <laughs> today absolutely exiles of stephen king now is that, is that how this works? <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna pay you're gonna pay an author by the minute he writes let's go <laughs> Well, guys, so how are you doing? How's your Hearthstone week been? Like, what have you been up to? Yeah, thank you for asking. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. Um, last uh, Sunday, which was the 27th, mm -hmm. I believe, so the end of last month, um, <laughs> I'd hit Legend. Um, and so the nice thing when you do that is the fact that that means the rest of the season, aka the three days I had left, um, you had to mess around. And I had not gone to actually have fun and mess around with all of the new cards. I've been playing pretty much two decks all in since the uh, since the expansion released halfway through last month. So I finally got to put in some time on Summoner Mage and had a lot of fun with it. Um, Go on. So yeah. yeah, well, it was just nice. I got to do the fun turn five turn where you would crush your opponent's soul by having four <laughs> mountain giants on board. Um, and then I got five. to do, and then I got to do the fun play of not having anything playable till turn nine. So. Were you running any particular you know. list or just like a net decked version that you just liked? So we'll get into it as well, but I was actually running Viper's Summoner Mage nice. um, and had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I was like, wow, this the person who played this probably could have, could have, you know, gotten second in worlds. Hmm, Viper, so, you say? Keep an eye on this up and coming. Hmm. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Viper. <laughs> yes. How, how do you spell that? Is it with a Y or two um, I's? Not no, I don't. I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Alex? What have you been up to? Yeah. Um, I made a wonderful return to Hearthstone about five or six days ago. I've played about 50 or 60 games since then, most of them with Summoner Mage or Big Shaman. Mm -hmm. uh, with Big Shaman, I found a lot of success and was just, I was, I was dunking on fools as, like, that's just what I was, I was dunking on fools. <laughs> It just feels so good to just yeah. go Muck Morpher into Zilliax and then Eureka Walking Fountain into Eureka Walking Fountain and then watch the rogue concede as he's staring at your board. I mean, uh, to be fair, they don't know what to do after turn five anyway. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we, the game's not over. What do I? What do I? What do I? What do I do? Oh God! Okay, they just like set their hair on fire and run around in circles, screaming. <laughs> Basically, and then when it came to Mage, and I'll talk about. Funny enough. You mentioned something, Root Clouds, but I also have some stuff to talk about with Mage when it comes down to one of the feature segments. I guess Play that kind of leads me into another thing I wanted to say, I wanted to discuss it. today. I'm so excited. You know, you guys know how excitable I am. The changes, the changes. We're making so many changes to the show today, just in the overall format. 
evolution. you know like evolution exactly <laughs> it's gonna feel mostly seamless hopefully if we do a good job it's gonna feel mostly seamless to you who are listening and watching mm-hmm. um it means more for us than for you guys but you guys will now be able to skip through uh skip through the content if you had a short day or whatever and listen to your favorite segment you know if you want to listen to just the main body or you want to hear um about the twitter poll at the end you could fast forward we just want to make it a better um content consumption experience mm-hmm. for lack of sympathetic sounding words to call it. And, and what, what are we looking at doing for, for that? Um, yeah. So something that X is kind of alluding to is the fact that the, the structure of the show going forward is mm-hmm. going to be a little bit different. And mm-hmm. so um, we're still going to touch on a lot of the main things that we've done in the past, but we've noticed that our shows could be a little, um, could be a little easier to digest in certain ways and give people an idea of going into it. Okay, when, as X is saying, when what should I expect this segment to come up? Or how long should I expect until um, they're going to like touch on this topic? Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've done is made a lot of structural changes to the way that we're doing the show where we're breaking down uh, each little moment that we have that we talk about. Um, and and there'll be kind of a just a cleaner format to parse through. So what you'll see is just, we've got some new segments. We've got some segments that aren't really new that we've talked about before, but now it's a little more identifiable. And we're hoping that just overall, honestly, you won't notice too much aside from the fact that the show is easier to keep up with, you have a better time with it, and that we have kind of all better synergy with each other because now there's there's a way for all of us to sort of, you know, follow this this show that we've cohesively put together for all of you. So yeah, it's super exciting. Yep, uh, change for the better we hope. You probably won't notice it too much in your end, but for us, we think it's going to be a better product in the end. So we're excited to see how it goes. So um, what else is going on? What, what else are we looking at this week? So, yeah, as far as this week goes, um, we're looking into, I mean, well, I even want to mention uh, the fact that I'm sort of actively looking for new decks to play personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if anyone has any exciting memes, make sure to drop them in the DMs. Now define um, memes. Like, what do you consider a meme deck? Like, I, does it just have to be off meta, or does it have to be something that like plays like a meme card? Like, you know, I, I don't. Uh, uh, what's that? What's that? Grifter. Like the Grifter card. Like something like meme okay. like that, or like. Well, I was gonna say because I just recently, and this has probably been going on, but as I mentioned, I've been playing Summoner Mage, mm-hmm. and I just saw a list today that was running the baboon <laughs> but i don't remember the actual name of the card oh that's the cantaloupe list isn't it it's is it a ca- cantaloupe bunny hopper okay. and asthma die all three of them worked yes. on it um, yep they ended up on similar lists that's called cyclone mage yeah actually, that, that thing is insane that deck is sweet yes. i wouldn't call that a meme deck at all that that deck rocks but um um fellow eternal orbit teammate teammate of ours uh blump Blunk, was rocking that the other the other day on his stream and he was kicking uh. butt with it yeah that's a sweet deck. I like that deck a lot. So that level of meme, that level of, okay, this is just different. Meme might not be the right word, but I'm out of touch with today's youth. What can I say? <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Yeah. Um, Anything else exciting? Yeah. Nope. Uh, for me, this, for as you guys know, I was pretty much, speaking of memes, I was pretty much just messing around the entire, the entire season. Like the last day or two, last day and a half, of the latter, I like I tried real hard, but I only made it to rank two, three stars, so I didn't quite make it to the to the rank floor. So I'm I'm down in the uh, I'm down in the dumpsters again, where you know, 
pre-rank five, so now I gotta like work my way back up so I can actually have fun with the game again. I gotta like try real hard for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put in the time. But you know what? I had a lot of fun messing around with the new meta, so it was worth mm-hmm. it to uh, spend like two weeks obsessing with um, Control Shaman, only to have like worlds <laughs> come along and show me how Control Shaman should be played. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I know that and, we're all. Oh what? no, please. Well, I was just going to say a note that we'll, we're really excited to talk to very shortly with everyone about is just the whole, just everything that Worlds brought, honestly. Oh, Worlds is so, so good. Can't wait to talk about that. Just a minute here in the show. Um, but before we get to Worlds, um, there there is at least one more thing we want to talk about just to, just to highlight here before we move into Worlds. Um, and that is our weekly um, Twitter poll. Yes. Yes. So, and this kind of coincides. It's a nice transition into everything. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the meat of the show that we'll be getting into. Um, we're seeing sort of uh, the end of an era with Hearthstone esports, where um, the Last Worlds that we just watched is going to be the final, as we know it, um, tournament played under that sort of format. So mm-hmm. HCT is going away. They're no longer going to be doing the same sort of way that we've been watching tournaments happen they're they're not going to be doing okay hey here's these little tour stops people get their points they play in seasonals Mm -hmm. those people get their points and winners get bracketed up to worlds that sort of thing um we're going to be going into this whole grandmasters masters tour um and with that those formats are going to be containing uh specialist as their primary competitive mode so the question for this week for the twitter poll is whether or not you think that specialist is a good choice going forward for competitive Hearthstone, or if you would prefer they go back to another format. And that could be even, go back is not the right way to phrase it, because they could do something entirely new, maybe, um, in mm-hmm. your opinion, if you think that would work best. Or if you prefer just Conquest or Last Show Standing, I prefer Conquest, I think Worlds showed why. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you can vote in our poll. Here, I'll actually, uh, I'll drop the link real quick. Um, Getting some good results so far. At the mm-hmm. very end of the show, we'll kind of get into what it's looking like and, and a little bit of a bigger breakdown. But if you are interested and you want to share some of your um, your thoughts, the poll's open. And I'm happy about the results that we're seeing so far. Yeah, I too was really excited. Um, we're seeing we're seeing a lot more uh, aggressiveness when it comes to actually people getting on there and voicing uh, voicing a vote on the on the poll. So we had like. Yeah. Was it 13? It was last I checked before we even went live, which is pretty good. Pretty good. So I, I like that. Yeah. I like that it's getting some traction. And this is a topic that I'm actually excited to talk about because um, I, I play in um, I play in one Hearthstone League, and and, uh, um, and we had a, quite a heated debate about whether or not to uh, – I shouldn't say heated. But we, had a, we had a pretty good discussion about whether or not to switch to Specialist or stick with uh, Conquest. So I'm actually mm-hmm. kind of I, I'm kind of excited to talk about this subject because I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say, and of course what the final Twitter Twitter poll results are as well. Yeah, yeah, it should be exciting. <laughs> um, but now we've sort of gone over, you know, how everyone's doing, how weeks going, what we're looking forward to. It's time to look back at what I would argue <clears throat> is the is the best tournament that I have ever watched. And I started watching Hearthstone tournaments before I played Hearthstone. Yes. Um, back, yeah, back. Uh, what was it 2014 mm-hmm. game was out obviously but nax wasn't out anything that it was just pure vanilla hearthstone so i've seen my fair share and let me tell you worlds did not disappoint everyone i've talked to had so much fun watching these players compete at such a high level there was usually what will happen when you see these tournaments is hey these these all these people come together and you sort of just see them make all the right plays and all mm-hmm. the right plays are just you know 
It's just it's just done very cleanly, but it's not always the most exciting thing. Um, with this tournament, every single match, there was at least one to two moments where mm -hmm. I was constantly shocked by some of the lines the pros took and immediately realized and learned from it, um, you know, why it was such a strong play. So between that, between the fact that this is a whole new set being played competitively for the first time um, on such a scale, it just was, it was a wonderful moment for me. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm curious, kind of, yeah, you guys, what are you thinking about the tournament? I know we all got to watch a bit, and there's a lot of surprises that we'll get into with it, but what were your sort of thoughts? Personally, I found the tournament to be the first enjoyable, competitive Hearthstone tournament to watch in a long time. Mm -hmm. I've been, I'd gone really, really cold on the professional Hearthstone scene as far as being a viewer, um, mm -hmm. as far as being a viewer for it goes, but they did a really good job with the production value here. And like they went on a long, long, I don't think I remember a Hearthstone day being 12 hours before, but they did <laughs> consecutive 12 hour tournament days, which if you guys have never played in a tournament yeah. before, like for Hearthstone or Magic for anything like that, it's fatiguing. It is absolutely fatiguing. So right. I think they did a fantastic job with the presentation and production. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Um, and I have to I have to echo your comments, uh, Rude Clouds, as far as every single match was super exciting and like there were just so many nail biter moments. And even in like the um the final match, um, oh my goodness. Like I rewatched that literally before we started the stream. I just finished it like uh, probably 15 minutes before we all met up for the for the pre-show meeting, and uh, and I just finished it. And I, it. The second time through it was even better. Uh, oh my god, so excited! I don't want to say too much now because I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. But I mean, the whole thing was really, really, really exciting. And 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 like X said, very well done, very well executed, especially for such a long stretch of uh, of production. Like they, yeah. they they killed it. In production value, performances, the whole thing was. I agree. One of the best. It was one of the best competitive tournaments I've mm -hmm. seen outside of professional poker tournaments. Because uh, I like I like to watch the World Series and stuff like that. I, outside yeah. of that, it's one of the best tournaments I've seen in a long time, and, and I, I absolutely loved it. And probably and absolutely the best Hearthstone tournament I've ever seen. So I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. And then just a quick revisit for anyone who didn't get to watch. Um, the final match ended up being between Hunter Ace and Viper. Um, both two people who I think well deserved getting that those final two spots. Mm -hmm. You could have obviously given it to a few people, but they just showed consistent high level play. Um, yep. And it was interesting because even watching Hunter Ace played, um, I don't know how much both you got to catch, but there were a lot of times where Hunter Ace was getting a little bit more visibly emotional about certain things. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting to see because one, I think we all play Hearthstone, we all recognize the fact that um, it's tilt is a thing that mm -hmm. you know you can make mistakes. Uh, these people are on the biggest stage of their life. And so, mm -hmm. one, it was interesting to see this person who uh, they won the tournament. And I think a lot of people going into the tournament was a favorite. I know both of you picked someone different, mm -hmm. but both of you had told me specifically, Hunter is probably going to take the whole thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and they're just so talented. Um, so I think that was a, a, a really interesting moment to see and hopefully something that people take away and, you know, can destigmatize the fact that, hey, it's, you know, people get emotional about things, but it's about how you bounce back from that um that's more important so that, mm -hmm. i thought that was really cool were there any um we're gonna get to a certain deck but for uh x were there any decks that you especially really liked seeing out there um or had a lot of fun watching the pros play yeah so watching some of the conjurer the conjurer mage was fun mm -hmm. just because it was really cool to see just 
how many how consistently that deck just high rolled the nuts for like on turn yeah. five Cadgar conjuring happened at least three times that i saw mm-hmm. explain, not- can you explain how that works for people that aren't familiar with the deck how turn five Cadgar conjuring works yeah absolutely so on turn on turn two you're so you queue up your uh your Cadgar mage uh, turn one's a pass almost always. Turn two, you play Book of Spectres, which allows you to draw three cards, um, discard any spells that you draw, but you don't draw any spells because there are four spells in the deck, one of which you just cast. Mm-hmm. Then on turn three, you're, or three or four, depending on if you have the coin or not, you're able to drop a Mountain Giant, which is a 12-cost minion um, for three mana or four mana, again, depending on if you had the coin. And then the following turn, you're able to play Cadgar, which doubles the amount of minions you summon. Yeah. You summon, yeah. and then Conjuring Calling, which destroy a minion, summon two minions of the same cost, replace it. So on turn five, you can now put four Mountain Giants on the board using this method. And I don't know a deck in the game right now that has the removal to be able to survive that. So it was pretty cool just to watch them big boys come down and start <laughs> like even lock days, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah and i gotta say that that um i have to, again once again i have to echo what you say because and i think i've talked with i know i've talked with you about this off stream x but i think conjurer mage is one of if not the like quietly strongest deck in the games it's certainly one of the most terrifying decks in the game it can yes. just it can just totally destroy somebody faster than like you said there's removal to deal with um and, it, and it's actually nice we were talking about before before stream as well it's actually nice to see it starting to get some momentum because it is it's a good answer for some of the decks that have been kind of um running been running amok the last couple of weeks so um and it was nice to see it at high level play again because like we talked about last week now that it got highlighted in the worlds people are gonna start giving it a lot more credence because it, it was almost treated like a mean deck right you know it was almost like, yeah. like people weren't taking it seriously because they didn't they, it's like they didn't see its potential but now that it was highlighted in worlds i'm seeing it everywhere i'm seeing that and 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 a deck that we're going to talk about more which wasn't it wasn't <laughs> played at all and i'm seeing i'm seeing it played as well um and again it's because of worlds literally the exact deck list um that won the, the tournament so yeah yeah and I've got to imagine if I was to ask you that question, as you would probably want to lean into that talking deck. about that deck. Yep. Anything else that stood out to you, or is that kind of you're you're excited to stoke the flames and go all in later? I was actually impressed to see <clears throat> how well um, Rafam Zoo did. As actually yeah. that deck, that deck has, um, and 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 again, it's been reflected on ladder. Um, I've been seeing a lot more of it on ladder, and that deck is really really strong. In fact, I checked I checked the. Um, the data on it on on ladder and it's got like something like a 63 percent win rate right now that wow. deck is killing it on ladder with like like it's like two hundred thousand games played which it's a good sample size but it's not like as much as we had with with some of the druid decks and warrior decks we were talking about last week but two hundred thousand games played and it's got like a 63 percent win rate it's just absolutely insane um so i was i i was I was not surprised to see um, multiple aggro lists that were not rogue in in the tournament because people, you know, bring aggro to tournaments to counter obvious things. But um, I was, I think, a lot of us were, at least I know I was reluctant to believe that Rafam would be good in an aggro deck for the same reason mm-hmm. why it's like, why would you put Gul'dan in an aggro deck? But um, it performed really, really well. In fact. Uh, if you watched the finals, you, you saw how much <laughs> pressure it was able to produce and how many answers it was able to get, and it almost won the tournament. So, 
Uh, it's a really, yeah. really strong deck, and and I was surprised to see how well it did. Yeah. Yeah. You both took the answers out of my mouth. Those are the two <laughs> decks to highlight. I think for everyone. I think yeah. uh, it's interesting because Locke had been a little bit more polarizing. A lot of the casters mm-hmm. were... And I think res- respectfully so, talking down to Rafaam Block just yes. because the win rate was not in its favor um, for a lot of the tournament. Mm-hmm. But when you see it work, that's when... That's when you're hoping you didn't want to see those matches with Azulok had it in their opening hand, and that seemed to happen more often than seeing a mountain giant in someone's hand. Right. Um, but yeah, that thank you all for your input. That all really kind of transitions well into what we're uh, what we really want to focus on here, which is the fact that as I mentioned, this is the last HCT uh, event. They're doing away with HCT going forward, and now, as I had mentioned, we're going to be seeing Masters Tour, Masters uh, Masters qualifiers just wrapped up on Monday, I believe. Um, so now the next upcoming event is Vegas uh, for all these people who had qualified and then were invited to be in the Masters Tour to actually start prepping for and then being mm-hmm. a part of. Um, but with that, uh, they'll also be introducing the Grandmasters, which is each sort of a region gets 16 mm-hmm. players i believe yes, correct who are invited uh legend players so to speak mm-hmm. that have done you know they have sort of a role in the community they've either done something that that makes them especially noteworthy and worthy of an invite even if they're not necessarily the top 16 skill wise mm-hmm. um and then 14 people who do fall under sort of a, a variety of metrics that allows them to be considered the top 14 there. so uh yeah, it's, it's bringing in all those changes, but it's also bringing in, as I mentioned, a new format, which is the basis for a Twitter poll. Um, specialist format, you can only bring one class to a tournament. And then between uh, that class, you bring in three decks. You have your primary deck, mm-hmm. and then you have your secondary and tertiary deck. Mm-hmm. With the secondary and the tertiary deck, they have to be five cards different than your primary deck. But not Hopefully. five cards different from each other. And that's an important point to make because the first tournament I took place in, I did not realize that, and I almost messed up before the deck uh, submission was over. Right. Um, so yeah, what I wanted to do is break this down into why these changes are happening, kind of the outlook for for that Blizzard had as far as why they thought it was necessary to uproot a system that's been pretty core to Hearthstone for about mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much since its inception of the mm-hmm. esports scene. Yep. Um, and why they decided to push forward to this this new standard, what they think it'll bring. And then if we agree, if we disagree, and further thoughts. Um, so just to quickly break down for everyone, there was an article in an IGN interview um, where they got in, uh, IGN was able to talk with one of the heads for the Hearthstone's esports scene and get some perspective. So that's a lot of what we're going to be referencing. Um, but pretty much what chat. this, Yeah, thank you. Um, pretty much what this all is going to boil down to is the fact that Blizzard saw what was happening with the HCT system, and there was a lot of kind of sore points sticking out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that they didn't like is the fact that uh, it was a very, if you were a pro and you were trying to seriously compete in the Hearthstone scene, um, or at least get your foot in the door, it was asking a lot from you. Mm-hmm. It was asking you to travel cross-country uh, for multiple events to gain your points, Um and get high finishes against this, you know, stacked field. Just to even be in spitting distance of being <laughs> invited to something like a seasonal tournament. Right. Um, between that, you have money, you have lodging, uh, all these sort of factors. And then there's the grind associated with it as well. So another way you get HCT points is when you finish at the end of a season um, within the top 200, mm-hmm. you'd get points. The higher based uh, on the on the ladder, the more points you'd get. Mm-hmm. So that would lend itself to such a consistent stressor for players to make sure they're always mindful of their uh, of their points, make sure that they're always having to be in this 
area where, you know, the difference between, you know, rank 10 and rank 30 could be the difference between them going to a tournament. Right. Um, so a lot of stress there. Um, here, I feel like I want to make sure that everyone else is getting in a word here as well, even though I know that this is uh, something that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, so if anyone else, either of you two, wants to talk about some of the other factors that uh, Blizzard didn't necessarily like with HCT um, and what they're sort of applying that to for Grandmasters, please feel free to. Well, the largest... Go ahead. I would say the largest thing that they quoted over and over again was the barrier to entry. And they've mm-hmm. yeah. they've used this term for so many things from um, the reasons that they're dusting and nerfing cards even all the way to why they're changing this tournament format. They want it to be easier, um, more approachable. The word isn't easier. They want it to be more approachable. And they want the they want the dad who has two children who's 34 years old to be a Hearthstone hero. You know, mm-hmm. they want him to be able to have his full-time job and then come through because he doesn't have the time to grind, but he's still one of the smartest Hearthstone minds on the planet and come crush these tournaments. I think that that's a good thing that Blizzard's trying to do for people. I mean, mm-hmm. by removing these barriers to entry, by moving over to this specialist format and by moving over to this master's uh, tour qualifier, um, you, you hit it right on the head. It's the travel. It's the, and it's the time away from your job. So mm-hmm. the fact that Blizzards are moving those by making the tournaments uh, online, for the most part, the qualifiers online, I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, to echo what, what X is saying and maybe expand on just a little bit, um, yeah, I love that they're doing that. Um, it reminds me a lot of um, the format that I mentioned, uh, like poker tournaments follow, where you know all you need is a chip in a chair. It's very approachable to the common person. Um, you know, if if anybody follows like championship poker, you know Chris Moneymaker. Um, he uh, he, he uh, I'm sorry, not moneymaker. Excuse me. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name now off the top of my head. But there's a guy that was nobody, and he won. He won the tournament just by raising enough money. A nobody raised enough money to enter the tournament and won the whole thing. Um, mm. It's not moneymaker. Maybe it's moneymaker. I can't remember. But the point is, is they made it approachable. It, it's something that anybody can can get into because they have they have these things called satellites, right? It's a ten thousand dollar buy into the tournament, but you can enter these satellites for like two hundred fifty bucks. And then um, you can win your way into this ten thousand dollar buying tournament, and then from there you can win, you know, these multi million dollar prize pools. They kind of followed that format in this transition, which makes it approachable to anybody, um, even if you don't have, you might have the experience and the knowledge, but you don't have the resources to get into it in the same way that the pros can, because you don't have the time or whatever, uh, or the or the financial resources. So I love the changes that they're making to the format, and that they're making it more approachable. I love the fact that they're allowing uh, to like. Um, you know, big streamers or, or, or people that finish on uh, on high legend to still be in the tournament, so they're giving a nod to the old school way of getting in there. But overall, their focus is is this is this kind of like um, huge you know bracket system to get into the top. I, I think it makes a lot of sense, and it makes it um, so anybody uh, who's willing to put in the time um, can get into it. The yeah. question I have is is how how the specialist format is going to impact um, kind of interest in the tournament. But we can get into that more in a minute. Yeah, because that, that does lend me to my last sort of main points about uh, about Blizzard. And thank you both for, for your insight. Um, 
for why Blizzard wanted thought these changes were were necessary. Um, we will get into it, but on top of the whole newcomers point and the fact that they want to make Hearthstone more accessible, they did decide to choose something like Specialist over, let's just say, Conquest or Last Hero Standing, um, because uh, and this is directly from the article, but they believed that. Uh, even from the dust economy perspective, and even from the grind uh, perspective of a, a new player, they may not be able to put together four or five top tier decks. They may just not have the dust for it or be able to afford it or put in the time for it. Um, so this way you have someone who, let's say that I can't grind all the time to, and I'm a relatively new player, so I can't get these meta decks. All I need to do is make one meta deck and then fill in 10 extra cards, or I shouldn't even say 10 extra cards, but minimum five cards. Um, to sort of tech in. So that's an interesting perspective that mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk a little bit more about because um, I think that lends itself to a lot of conversation. Mm -hmm. They also mentioned that the HCT events that they were doing, these tour stops, were struggling with viewership. Very frankly, they kind of spoke about the fact that these tour stops started to lose their meaning for a lot of the viewers. Um, there was kind of low stakes. There wasn't necessarily huge prize pools. Instead, players were there to gain, uh, to gain points. Uh, mm -hmm. and better their positioning for future tournaments. Right. So low stakes already. There were a lot of them, um, and even the, the competitors weren't as consistent. So let's say you had a favorite. There are a lot of players who I was very interested in being able to watch, right. um, but sometimes they wouldn't even attend a stop. Um, and so that doesn't help either. Um, so I think that can potentially inject some fresh blood. And then finally, they did want to create some superstars in the format and really create some recognizable names and create those storylines that someone like me who does get attached to, uh, to you know, the people competing just as much as the gameplay itself. Right. Um, they wanted to create this grandmaster system where all of a sudden you have 16 people from your region that are the 16 people to watch. You are looking at them and every match that they play is a marquee event purely because they have that status to elevate it to that yes. level. Um, and it makes it just as much on the flip side. Whoever's going against them automatically becomes the underdog in these matchups. And it Did creates a very lies. interesting... Exactly. You have a perspective of these two people. One's a superstar. They really, they've, they've earned their spot here. And then you have maybe this newcomer. Maybe you have someone who has no attention at all. And if you see them 3-0 sweep the champ, right. uh, it's going to it's create these interesting storylines and then create future stars who can potentially break out of molds just because of these moments. Right. Um, so with all of those things lined up, we've got the, um, the idea that it is a big grind to be a competitive Hearthstone player. Mm -hmm. um, there is a barrier to entry, as XL mentioned. There's viewership struggles, and then the fact that they want to create sort of a star dynamic with this, uh, this system. Um, how do you all feel about them taking what was HCT, turning into what we see now, and do you think it's going to work favorably for them? Or uh, do you have other perspectives on, on what this kind of gamble might pay off? Uh, I'm scared. Sucks. Yeah, please. I'm scared, Eric. Yeah. Like when you said they want to create superstars, that is a deep rabbit hole to go down. How much? How much effect is Blizzard going to have on this? I mean, we look at the 16 that they put out um, for World Championship. I think it was Worlds. Maybe mm -hmm. I need to look at the. I need to look at it again. There's yeah. uh, for exactly what it's a high tier tournament, and they put. Now, no offense to anybody who I'm about to name, but they put Firebat on the list. And I don't think Firebat's touched a Hearthstone card in forever. <laughs> you know, like and they're still he so streams high. the games still, but in a competitive sense, I think. Yeah. Like, you know, so right. if they're gonna take these sorts of steps and put, and again, nothing against Firebat. If I had the list in front of me, I could name at least five people who didn't deserve to be on that list, mm -hmm. and I could also name the fact there was only one female when there are plenty of. 
I could go on about this. You could tell I'm a little animated. Let me let that passion out, buddy. <laughs> it's bullshit. Um, <laughs> don't make me put the explicit notice on the iTunes download, okay? <laughs> um, no, for real. It's like how much how much power do we want to get them to create their own superstars? Because then it's the common man will never have the ability. It'll just be the people who are related to people at Blizzard. It'll be the um, you know, it'll be the people who are already currently getting the card reveals who are right. going to be their superstars. And that's right. scary. As real as it gets is never going to be known in the professional Hearthstone scene. If Blizzard keeps this sh- up. Right. I caught it again. You did. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not wrong. Like it's like, like the thing I love that the, the word superstar stars involved in this, because it, it reminds me immediately to like WD WE wrestling, right? Like the same way that like, yeah. like, um, uh, Ed McMahon, not Ed McMahon. Um, uh, what's his name? Vince, Vince. McMahon. Vince McMahon. Yeah. Sorry, Ed McMahon's the other guy, the publisher's clearinghouse <laughs> guy, or whatever. But uh, uh, Ed McMahon, like he gets to, or Vince McMahon, excuse me, gets to like write the storylines and pick who's going to be famous and like push people in your face. There is this this potential for like, um, uh, uh like manipulation because they can pick and choose who they want it to be. And like you said, like they got one one female on the list right now. Come on, come on. Some of the best. Uh, streamers and players that I know are female. Like, uh, so yeah. Like, if they're open and and like transparent about how they make these decisions, okay. But if they're like as ambiguous with picking who they want to make superstars, um, as they are with like how the matchmaker system works, uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna lend itself to just have people question it the same way they do about um, kind of the hidden mechanics behind the game itself. So it is a slippery slope. It is something that that that, that hopefully they're transparent about. I definitely can can echo some of those concerns, um, but overall, I'm I, I'm excited to see the changes. Like I said before, because I think the tournament scene needed some revitalization, and they're kind of stealing from tried and true methods. Like like I said again, if you look at at professional poker tours. Um, they're, they're basically taking those concepts and they're applying them to, to Hearthstone. And those, those methods have worked and they've led to huge viewerships on things like ESPN and, um, yeah. you know, Fox Sports One, uh, or whoever else does the, uh, the, uh, the other, uh, the, the, the other po- major poker tour, which, whose name escapes me off the top of my head. But they take these tried and true methods and they're, and they're kind of incorporating them into, in, into their game. So. And two quick notes I want to make, especially for anyone who's listening on the podcast. So um, the one woman who is going to be uh, representing Asia Pacific um, and in total, just all of Grandmasters, but specifically, so we're not just, you know, so they, that we give a name, mm-hmm. uh, Patra, yep. um, very, very big, impactful player in the Hearthstone scene um, for multiple reasons. Um, something else I do want to point out, though, because it's what makes it's what makes the decision to do things the way that they've done it even more curious mm-hmm. i should say these legend spots will not be permanent at the end right. of a, a grandmaster season they won't just decide hey we like these two legends we're going to keep them or we're going to bring in two different legends here on out once the matches start whoever earns their place in the top 14 out of the 16 will get to stay a grandmaster and then the bottom two will be rotated out at the end of the season um what that sort of has uh, created for I think a lot of people, rightfully so, especially a lot of players who are on the edge of being a grandmaster, is the fact that two slots opening per region is not very much. Nope. Um, and so you have a lot of people. This list could have been filled with 32 per region, and you'd still be leaving out some of the biggest names in Hearthstone. Um, so for a lot of people, it's it's very intimidating and kind of a little defeating, I would say, from mm-hmm. the perspective I've seen, that 
Now you have to go through this sort of uh, master tour, um, work your way up, make sure you're consistently on the top, and then you only potentially fill one of two slots that are available. That's a very scary thing for a pro, for someone who's who's trying to to make their their living competitive Hearthstone and really thrive with. Um, so yeah, something important to note is the fact that those those legend spots can open if a legend player doesn't make it. But also the uh, it's interesting because we keep saying the word barrier to entry, but <laughs> there's a barrier entry to the to the the highest level of of the game. They have us mentioned that in 2020 uh, they are thinking about breaking the season, the grandmaster seasons, up into two parts, mm. and so there'll be a rotation at the first half, and there'll be another rotation at the second half. I think either they do have to do something like a a more consistent rotation, or they have to expand the slots. Yeah, I would agree with that in general. I, I would like to see, um, I would like to actually see it expanded to like thirty-two, make it a little bigger, yeah. and have the bottom sixteen rotate. Like, I think that would because that's big. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is like looking at it right now. Like, I, I know they're just trying it, and and I get it. So, and they talk about it in the article multiple times. They're gonna adjust. They're gonna adjust. They're gonna adjust. They're gonna reevaluate. Um, but all you're doing is they talk about this barrier to entry, especially at the highest tier. All they're doing is pushing it back a notch, right? Like it's not, yeah. it's not like they're, 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 they're really eliminating it. Like to, to still get into this, this top 32 in your region, you still have to do quite a bit. Like, you know, they have these tournaments that 200 plus people are entering and you get one spot to go to Vegas, right? Like, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty daunting to even get this far. So, I know it sounds like like a a big ask, but I think as a viewer, I would rather see it be this bigger event with a, with a lot more players and uh, have it take a little bit longer than have it feel like we're being maybe I don't want to say cheated, but maybe um, shortchanged a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to the fact that there's like a lot of people that are right on the cusp, especially people that follow Twitch. There's a lot of players that are like right on the cusp of being um, like pro level players but they might just barely miss out and get no notoriety from it beyond their own, their own communities. So that's just my, that's just me. Like if you're going to do it, go a little bigger, especially when you have a company as big as Blizzard behind it. Like you have the resources and notoriety, but again, that's, that's just me. I'm willing to see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, I know the elephant in the room right now is Mm -hmm. the whole specialist format. We will sort of be, coming in uh, towards the end of the show when we mm-hmm. get to our Twitter poll, uh, we'll really be digging into the whole idea of is Specialist the right format for them to take with this big leap? Right. Um, but I am curious because I, I do want to know your impressions at least, and then we kind of sort of tease our way into it. For both of you, do you think Specialist is the right way to go? Um, not just for these scenes, but as the identity of competitive Hearthstone matches uh, is concerned. X? Yes. Okay. It's a tried and true format. We see we've seen it in Magic the Gathering since the jump. I know people are saying, "Oh, but there's, um, but it makes the games more boring to watch." Well, you know what it does is it removes variance, and mm-hmm. that's why they're it's quote unquote more boring to watch because variance is what's fun. It's fun right. when you see Rafam pop off. <laughs> you know that's fun. But mm-hmm. if you want to get the most skilled, masterful players, you need to play the specialist format. Yeah. Um, Fair. Not to sound like a broken record here or a copycat. Generally speaking, I agree. I think that the transition to specialist is, in theory, good. What I'm afraid of is seeing tournaments that are overrun with Warrior and Rogue, for example, or whoever, whatever the two dominant or three dominant classes are at the time. Like, it's it, like, yes, the skill comes in watching people be able to win these mirror matches and like tech their decks to, 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 to beat 
their counters and their counters counters. But I, I am concerned with just how much fun it will be to watch um, the same basic matchups over and over and over. Because for me personally, like I don't care who I play. Like even on the ladder, when I queue into, I don't care if I queue into bomb warrior. What frustrates me is when I queue into bomb warrior, into bomb warrior, into bomb warrior. I hate the same thing over and over and over. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm necessarily without actually experiencing it on the pro, watching the pro level. I don't know how quickly I'll get bored of that. But I know in the back of my mind that's a concern of mine. But overall, I do agree with X that that this is a for from a pure competitive skill um, metric. This is probably a good change. Yeah. And I think when you evaluate under those metrics of, hey, we want to we wanna make sure we're not losing any of these top-tier players to kind of BS RNG, as opposed to the RNG that can just come in any form when you're playing a card game, mm-hmm. um, I think you almost you have to hand it to specialists to say, this is, as X mentioned, the most consistent way to judge right. skill. And that's what you're looking for in a competitive environment. You're not looking for... Hey, here's we're playing a baseball game, but if you hit this tiny little red, you know, <laughs> red target in the middle of the field, guess what? You get five points. Right. Like points. You know how they talk about baseball home runs, right? Uh yes, home so, runs yeah. are worth more points than than non home runs. Yeah, it's really and yeah, we'll get into a whole theory crafting session on, you know, that sort of topic. But uh but no, I I agree. In that perspective, I think they've made the right decision. For mm-hmm. me as a viewer, I think it's going to hurt. Yeah. Um and to be fair, I I have not spectated. I spectated only one specialist tournament, I should say. Um, and it was towards the end of last meta. Things were still so fresh at the end of last uh, rotation. So it gave us an opportunity to uh, to kind of see people play with their comfort picks. But there was enough diversity that I didn't mind it. It was only once. But I'm curious as well. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, like I said, we will address that in the upcoming poll a little bit more. But just want to get your your perspective. So. Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, for sort of you know providing such valuable insight, especially to our viewers. I think that you bring up a good point, Azrael, with the um, with specialists being boring to watch because it's only the same three decks over and over again, which conveniently ties into the next segment, which we're going to kick off for the first <laughs> time, which is called the ten minute meta, where Exiles Rhythm, aka me, <laughs> or Azrael or Rukaz, but me today, yeah, gets to give you a brief rundown of the meta and let you know what we think's going, what I think is going on. So you put me on the clock, ass. Let's go. Go. I got you. So in past, present, and future Hearthstone is where I want to start. I was kind of thinking about this as what is the specter of Hearthstone at the moment, which got me thinking some uh, Charles Dickens. I know wrong time <laughs> of year, but yeah, let's let's do literacy in my three-minute segment. <laughs> anyway, uh, so in the in the past, since the release of the expansion, Rogue has been the most most important and uh, most important class, and we knew that we had to look out for Rogue and Hunter anyway, yeah. mm-hmm. because they're both the tempo aggressive classes, which always seem to thrive at the beginning of any, um, I guess, any real shakeup at the meta. It doesn't even need to be an expansion. It can yeah. just be a nerf. So we knew it was going to be one of those two. Rogue became immediately popper, pop, immediately popular because it had the memeiest cards with the waggle pick and uh, mm-hmm. Ice Baron Todd waggle. But then it really smoothed out into a great aggressive or miracle list that we know. And, um, and so that being said, up until the beginning of this week, because I wanted to cover, since we had missed, Rogue had been the most powerful and the most popular. Yes. Now, in order to counter that, Warrior has really come out of the woodworks, as is the typical counter to Rogue, and you're seeing a lot more Rogue and Warrior on, um, excuse me, a lot more Rogue and Warrior on ladder than you had been in the past, and 
Hunter as well has be, has begun to crop up to really crush any of the fringe decks that are uh, hold yeah. the fringe decks down, mm-hmm. um, which has led us to where we are today. So we know that Rogue Warrior is most popular, uh, most popular and the strongest. And moving forward for the next week, because of these, uh, because of these reasons, I think Cadgar Dragon Mage is poised to make a return. Its only bad matchup is Mech Hunter. Mm-hmm. Its only bad matchup is Mech Hunter. It goes even with Temple Rogue. It goes even with Token Druid, and it crushes all sorts of warrior. I think yes, it gets it beaten by Zoo, but it, it crushes does. all yeah. sorts of warrior. Yeah, and it feels so good to play. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for the deck to play for the next week until you hear the next ten minute meta, it's Cadgar Dragon Mage. And I would I would agree with those notes. By the way, nice job. You did it in like two and a half minutes, man. You killed it. Which gives wow. us lots of time to ask questions and interact with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would absolutely reiterate that. Um uh I was I was at X's suggestion earlier today, I was testing out that exact theory. And um and yeah, I, I played uh like fifteen games with Cadgar Mage and I crushed I think every warrior but one um who just had the nuts on me and I got my, my, my butt handed to me by Hunter. Um, and then uh, Zoo, I think I went two and one and two against. But so other than Zoo and Hunter, though, you're going to crush a lot of things that are on there. Um, so yeah, excellent analysis, and I think that's a great tip. And and there are several versions of of the Cadgar Mage that exist right now. Cantaloupes is one of them. Um, X has a great deck list um, that that he shared with me. That's another great version of that. But there 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 are tons of good 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 lists out there. So just yeah. uh, just go net deck them. Yeah. And I'm glad. I'm very glad that, you know, X, I agree as well, picks the right deck as far as what you need to be playing right now if you want to be ready for where the game is in four or five days. Um, Cadgar Mage, I'm playing a Cadgar Dragon variant, the same one that Viper brought to the tournament, um, as I had mentioned earlier. My highest uh, play rate was starting to be against other mages. Um, I ran to, I think it was it was Warrior, Mage, and then a little bit of, of, of Rogue. Um, but it's funny because in the mirror, it's just like, it's just an old fashioned mirror. It's mm-hmm. just who draws their gun the quickest. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. And I think the lists that really thrive are the ones that are going to be running the, um, the voodoo doll right. because voodoo doll is so impactful, not just for the mirrors, but let's say if you are going as hunter, especially mid range hunter, they throw out, you know, Amisha, let's pretend it's on turn four for some reason instead mm-hmm. of three. Um, you play a voodoo doll, maybe you coin out a conjurer's calling, all of a sudden you get that huge board swing where you're taking off their four four taunt, you're summoning two three three or two, let's just say three three minions. Mm-hmm. Um the deck offer, offers so much versatility against so many different decks. Um it stomps warrior in the face so many times that I think if you're someone out there who is a bomb warrior, um whatever the opposite of an enthusiast is, uh enthusiast is an antagonist. Uh Hater. Hater, <laughs> you will enjoy the deck. You'll you'll come for the for the you know four mountain giants. You'll stay for the bomb warrior threat. And another note about that too, um, from somebody that's played quite a bit of shaman, both control and big shaman. Um, that's a terrifying deck to play against with shaman. Terrifying mm-hmm. deck. So if you the deck fr- has, I was just gonna say real quick, if you're running into a bunch of control shaman or big shaman because um, control shaman is a little more prevalent now because of its of its uh showing in 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 worlds um but big shaman has been around for at least a week and a half two weeks if you're running into those a lot this is a great deck to answer those it answers a lot of things that are very popular right now i'm sorry x go ahead no you're good you're good i was mostly going to throw my hat in with you i was going to jump behind you and say <laughs> that 
that when you're playing, because, you know, I mentioned that Big Shaman was the other deck that I played a ton of. Every time I played against Cadgar Dragon Mage, like specifically the Dragon variant, mm-hmm. I just had no idea what to do. I would sit there and I would have two Haggatha Scheme. They would Conjurer's Call the first one. I'd clear it. Conjurer's Call the second one. I'd clear it. Then they'd Conjurer's Call their Rabble Bouncer, and I'm like, well, my Lightning Storm's totally useful now. So mm-hmm. uh, it's crazy. The Shaman decks are super powerful, but I think yeah. we can get into that to another time. And I'm going to call that the 10-minute meta. Well done, sir. Well done. Way How to close do was it. I? Because I wasn't keeping the clock. Uh, you actually had like two and a half minutes to spare, man. We 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 wrapped that up real quick. So let's I, go. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But that that's X's style. Hammer him hard. Hammer him fast. Beat him in the ground and move on to the next match. And that's why my X is my X. <laughs> um, smork Styles rhythm. I was just gonna say you found a way to even smork in a podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, well done. Well done. I I I I think that was concise and to the point. Um but we um we teased it a little bit and, and I know I mentioned it myself here just a little bit um that mm-hmm. that um, both um shaman is a deck that's 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 seen an uptick in in the meta right now because of worlds. Um it was the deck that won worlds for Hunter Ace. Uh, Hunter Ace's Control Shaman, which was a really cool take on on, on Shaman. Um, so it's one reason why this week we picked it to um, to mm-hmm. feature this week in what a segment we're calling the Deck Dive, where we're going to just focus on one deck right now that we find interesting or that's really prevalent or that we think is going to see um, an uptick in play. Um, but in honor of Worlds and the fact that this won Worlds and it was a really cool var- variation of a of a deck and a class that isn't wasn't prior to this very represented um, this week and we're going to move over to the board for this we chose Ooh. to talk about Hunter Ace's Control Shaman. Um, Eric, since you since you're kind of the expert on, oh. on Worlds, uh, do you want to talk <laughs> a little bit about this uh, about this deck before the the two of us comment on it as well? I mean, I'll break it down a little bit, for, sure. but for anyone who's uh, who's joining us just now, um, we all talked earlier about our favorite decks that we got to see during Worlds this, uh, this the past few days, mm-hmm. um, and how it just was an overwhelmingly successful turn- uh, tournament in all of our eyes. We talked about the fact that Summoner Mage stood out, and mm-hmm. the fact that Zulok stood out, specifically Rafam Zulok. Mm-hmm. And Azrael was gifted the task of uh, deciding what was really their standout deck. We all knew it was this list, but they were kind enough to let us hold back until this segment to really gush about it. So I'm going to give just the quick little the quick little rundown about this deck, but I really want Az to go wild because this has been something that um, I've had to suffer with in DMs for, for so long now. So <laughs> I, need to, I need to, you know, get this bug out of my brain and into the stream. Um, so really quickly... Great deck. Incredible that all of these lists were finalized um, only, what, seven, eight days into mm-hmm. the expansion. Right. Um, this is a list that is impactful right now. You could play this on ladder right now. You will see, you'll have a, I don't know, you'll, you'll see a lot of results. Mm-hmm. Try not to queue up into the mirror match or against Warrior, not because you won't win, but because <laughs> it will remind you of Odd Warrior of old. Um, but the card that I think really makes this deck shine and stand out are the Ancestral Healings. Mm-hmm. Um, so and uh, and this deck also runs. I want to make sure I'm I'm seeing everything properly. Um, but it does run Swamp Queen Queen Hagatha, yes. which I kind of trashed in my review, um, and really didn't think that it was it was anything to write home about. But it was shown consistently to have the value needed to really save save Hunteries in a certain spot. So between that and the giggling inventors, which I don't think we'd all expected, uh, 
this deck really was performing really well. The Ancestral Healing, absolutely absurd when you put it on a Walking Fountain after bumping into something twice. You clear off their board. The amount of times we saw a Walking Fountain below 3 health. Again, a Walking Fountain, 8-mana minion. It's a 4-8. It has Rush, Wind Fury, and Lifesteal. And yes, it's just a common card mm -hmm. <laughs> or just a common rarity. Um, you would see this at uh, be turn into a 4-attack, 3-health minion and get summoned back up to 8 with a Taunt and you knew 100 base just stole the game. Mm -hmm. uh, so really, really strong deck. Um, really fun to watch and see played at such a high level. But as I, I want to let you off, I'm like, please, please give us your analysis because X or as has been trying to really crack the code of a controlless shaman, mm -hmm. um, and and seeing something like this put together, I I, I want to hear everything that you're thinking. Um, in a word, validation. <laughs> yeah, because. <laughs> uh, because I'll be honest with you, I remember um, when we did um, we did the review early on in one of our first shows, and um, Rude kind of kind of took a toozy on, uh, yep. on 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 Hagatha, um, and thanks I did. Yeah, yeah, you took a toozy <laughs> on it. I was like, man, I saw the potential in that card, and um, and overall, like I was really excited for 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 Control Shaman uh, just because. Shaman has always been a class that has really interesting cards and interactions, and it's always a class. It ends up being Mimi because it doesn't feel like it has the right like chemistry. Like it's got individual parts that feel like they have a lot of potential or could be used really effectively, but the chemistry doesn't seem to match up to make something consistent. This deck was to me just so brilliant for the environment that it was brought to. Because Control Shaman in general played well, assuming you don't go draw dead, can just wreck rogue and that was one of the reasons why um i picked muzzy um to win um or I picked him as my champion even though again i want to mention i did say i thought Iris was gonna win it all um but yeah. because he brought an interesting control shaman uh, as well one of the reasons why i liked him so much um because it just wrecks rogue um but i agree i think you nailed it with with the most interesting card in this deck is the Anc ancestral healing but two other cards of note are the omega defender and the um um, the Twilight Drakes, because those battle cries synergize so well with getting just a redonkulous Shutterwalk. Um, yeah. So you get all this, you get value from from the um, from the uh, Walking Fountains uh, already. They're great for removal. They're great for board control. They're great for, for healing up. And then you pop an Ancestral Healing on to get just like twice as much healing. It's the same thing that you see in Big Shaman where they'll put... Um, um, a resurrection on it, uh, 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 and uh, ancestral spirit. Yeah. On it. You know, it's the same thing, but cheaper, uh, and it can be used on other minions. Um, and then you combine that with this, with all of the other synergies in this deck, and then the Shutterwalk to close it out. Uh, if you did not get a chance to watch the final match of Worlds, it shows you the power of this deck against a very, very solid um, Warlock Zoo deck. Um, and it was it was really exciting. Another interesting, um, real quick here before I let X chime in. Another interesting tech in this deck was the Wild Pyromancers. Yes, such a cool tech against um, a meta that that they were. You could tell they were expecting a lot of token, a lot of hunter, and a lot of uh, of, of rogue with a lot of one and two health minions. And that Wild Pyro is just such a brilliant way to get a little extra damage off. Um, it basically does the same thing as um, as something like a. Um, a um, blood mage Thalnos, um, but it, it's also just an aggressively stated minion that's a little more flexible as well. Uh, I'd rather play a two mana uh, three two that does one extra damage to everything that I'm trying to kill than a two mana one one 
to do one extra damage to everything. So it's a very clever yeah. tech, and it synergizes so well with so many other things that are in this deck. I could rave about this deck all day long. I don't want to <laughs> chew up all the time on it, but I, I just I, I loved the little nuanced choices in this deck um, that, in retrospect, are so brilliant. The fact that it runs two mind control techs in a, in a minion heavy meta. It's just I can go on yeah. and on. <laughs> X. <laughs> I look at this list, and every time I look at the list, it, it it confuses me a little bit because if you know this is the list that you're going to be playing against, it's pretty it's going to be pretty easy to formulate a game plan against it, right? Because mm-hmm. how does this deck win the game? This deck wins the game via Shutterwalk. That's its only only real win condition. Otherwise, it's just trying to prevent the enemy from winning with the Walking Fountain play. Or am I way off base with this says? Nope. Yeah, it's just it just seems fragile to me. I'm I love Mason Shaman. You know, I was I was gushing about Big Shaman. I love Control Shaman. But could you give me a brief rundown of how this how this would play out? I did watch I did watch Worlds, but it's I, I have a hard time conceptualizing this fatigue. Yeah, fatigue. whenever I play Control Shaman for me personally, and and you saw it in 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 the championship match of Worlds, you play Control Shaman to basically just go long wear them out and then and then you come back with cards like the Shutterwalk or the Hagatha um to to seal the game to swing it back in your favor um things like the Gilling Inventor they give you stall they give you things that you can stick the Zilliacs to um but but you just you just want to go as long as you can that's why like in my, in my version of Control Shaman it's super greedy and I put things in that that go even longer to beat like Control Warriors yeah. um like- Kafaliciana. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. just about to say exactly. <laughs> or even, or even like Hakar. I mean, I put I put super greedy cards in mind. His is a much cleaner version that beats a wider variety of decks, um, and and the synergies in it are quite clever. But it, it's basically a deck that's designed to, to just outvalue and outlast your opponent and win, if not in fatigue, very close to fatigue. Yeah, and uh, one thing that I wanted to mention as well is the fact that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think the topic for hero cards is primarily Dr. Boom right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people really need to, now that I'm saying Hagatha needs to be nerfed, I really like Hagatha. But really need to, if you are if you don't think Hagatha the, uh, the Witch just has straight up nutty value generation, um, go go back and watch watch any game of the tournament where Sham was being played. Mm-hmm. There were so many, uh, there's so many Witches Brews that got summoned. So many Ancestral Spirits, the one that resurrects your minion, that got, that got summoned into people's hands. Um, Hagatha schemes that got to sit for seven, eight turns and be a devastating blow against another another player's uh, tempo board. It was just, it was nuts the value that was generated. And this is the kind of value I like seeing generated as opposed to something like Dr. Boom. Um, it's It just feels, it's RNG to the max. And mm-hmm. so I think that's its own separate discussion. But if we are going to have a hero card, um, I don't know, Hagatha's... Uh, Hagatha is just very strong, and I think it it really earned anyone who wasn't respecting it really earned that respect watching the gameplay. I don't know I how you're that, not respecting. I don't know how you're not respecting Hagatha. I think Hagatha is 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 a, is a oh, very strong card, um, but it's not like it's, it brings up an interesting question. Like, okay, well, there's what three hero par- cards in the game right now? Hagatha, um, Z- uh, Zuljin, and and Doctor Boom. Right? There's no other ha- hero cards anymore. Like, I mean, clearly, if you rank those, it's Doctor Boom. Hagatha Zuljin, like Zuljin, I think is a, is a brilliantly designed card because it's strong. It's got a lot of value, but it's not like broken. And I think Doctor Boom's the other end of that spectrum. I think Hagatha is is 
comfortably positioned in the middle. And I would actually lean it on on on, on closer to fair than unfair because you need minions in order to get value and it runs out of steam like if you play a hagatha with three cards in your hand yeah you're going to get three spells you know assuming those are three minions but you're you're top decking at that point you know whereas dr boom just can infinitely get you value so um i don't think it's by any means broken but i think it, it by by no means is it a weak card i think it is i think it's a fine card and i would be very surprised if they address it anytime or nerf it I shouldn't say address it. They nerf it anytime in the future. But I, I think anybody that, that does not see the potential of Shaman or of Hagatha does not play enough Shaman to know what they're talking about because it's it's a great card. The delineation of fair and unfair when it comes to these big, bomby cards such mm-hmm. as hero cards, yeah. in my mind, really comes to how much value. Yeah. We... When we approach infinite, when we're reaching places only calculus can take us, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've gone too far. You know, these infinite value cards like Dr. Boom, like Rex are... Wait, how many times have I screamed about infinite value on the... You know what? We need to change this podcast to the exile screams about infinite value cards. <laughs> Do you think that's concise enough? <laughs> it was already taken, but... <laughs> <laughs> it, it fits well. Um, overall, though, like... like um having watched worlds and having counted this on ladder, like what are your overall impressions of this deck? I would call this deck. Um, I don't think right now, the way that the ladder meta is positioned, that this is going to be a top tier deck, but I, I love it because it counters a lot of decks that are very strong in the meta, in the meta right now. But I think, I think overall it loses to things that are going to be like X pointed out in the last segment are going to be taking over the meta. Like, control or like summoner mage is just very strong against this for example but this deck is very good against things like rogue so um but overall i think i think it's a solid like tier two tier three deck choice with some upside um but um it's limited by the fact that the things that are going to dominate the meta right now are just good against this and i discovered that when i was testing and, and messing around with shaman for the last couple of months so at least with control or a couple of weeks at least with control shaman mm-hmm yeah, the uh, the last note I really wanted to make on this deck, and uh, then we can sort of transition into you know the the final part of the show that we're all excited to talk about with specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing that I was really impressed by, and this could just be the fact of more so who's piloting it than the deck itself, but the fact that this deck was able to beat hunter de- or was able to beat warrior decks. Right. Um, I would not have suspected that you take two evenly matched players put them in a control warrior versus control shaman list and the control shaman comes up top more often than not. Um, I would have said they'll, they'll take games, you know, they'll win it, but I was not expecting this list to be able to really have that kind of, that kind of, uh, Really, you know, the legs against a, a deck running Doctor Boom. So I'm surprised because I, I talked yeah. about this in one of the previous episodes that that control yeah. shaman could actually go the distance against uh, control warrior. Hmm. And I think the fact is, it's this list. Because what we yeah. had an issue with was the fact that Control Warrior was just doing Control better than uh, better than Shaman. That's and it was just, That's absolutely fair, yes. Yeah, so it was able to handle uh, those sort of 1v1s a little bit better. Something like this list, though, and the fact that we're seeing this pop out so much, mm-hmm. um, really lends it to the fact that, that I just was completely underestimating Control Shaman. Um, and now? And the potential. And now I think it has a place, and I rightfully worship our new uh, rogue killer. <laughs> <laughs> On to the uh, coaching corner. We were talking. We were talking about the win condition of the shaman deck, a bit, and every, and you know, it's kind of when you look at 
a deck, the first thing you need to understand is how it wins the game. And so I, that was the first question I asked you. I'm not extremely familiar with it. How does it win the game? And you told me it wins the game in fatigue. Well, what does fatigue mean? It, it means when all the cards are drawn, right? And then you're continuing to draw cards, you begin what's called fatigue. So now we're getting to a point called the when. We know how we're going to win, but we don't know when we're going to win. Because some decks, such as Mechathune Priest, back from the meta of old, yeah. would be able to draw its entire deck and then combo off on, what, turn seven? Mm. Six? <laughs> yeah. Feels like it. But feels like it, you know, because I had Psychic Scream Masses there. No big deal. Don't need to yell about infinite value. <laughs> but yeah, so it brings us to the when. And when you look at... When you look at... Your strategy is going to help you decide when it is. With a combo-based strategy, it's really easy to decide when the how happens. Let's not get too lost in these. I'll do my best not to get lost in these, uh, what are they, pronouns? Literary device. More I, Charles Dickens last time, now literary devices. What's wrong with Yeah, yeah geez, uh, so- is this English class or are we doing a podcast? Come on. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With combo-based strategies, it normally tells you. With Megathune, mm-hmm. it says when... No, nothing in your hand and no cards left in your deck and no minions on the board. This is a when, right? It doesn't give you an, it doesn't say on turn 12, but it Mm -hmm. says when. Now, if we look at the efficacy of certain cards, let's say Leroy Jenkins, Leroy Mm -hmm. Jenkins is probably more effective on turn five than on turn 10. Correct. So you don't want to play him on turn 10. So if your win condition is Leroy Jenkins, you want to end the game sooner, which leads us to the idea of aggro, mid-range, control, and I said combo, right? Mm-hmm. So in an aggro deck, you you generally want to close out the game as quickly as possible. You're, you are playing an aggressive deck if the game ends um, sooner rather than later and you are more likely to be the victor. It's, uh, to put it in a more concrete and observable term or observable circumstance, if you are playing... If you're playing Mech Hunter and you're playing against Control Warrior, if the game ends on turn five, who won the game? Uh, probably the, the Warrior. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. The Hunter. Probably the yes, Hunter, because the Hunter is aggressive class. Correct. And if, it, and if it ended on turn 50, who probably won the game? <laughs> Nobody Unless won. Unless the running Rexar. <laughs> Nobody won in turn 50. <laughs> Nobody we won. All exactly. <laughs> but we all lose. So we see it's the aggro deck, and it would right. behoove the control deck to extend the game as mm-hmm. long as possible. So... When we, we now have the how, mm-hmm. we need to figure out when to emplace this how. And that is today's discussion on the coaching corner. Right. As Eric, any comments or thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting when you break it down in that way to think about the, the, the game from the get-go on turn one. Okay, it's turn one. I've got three, four, five cards in my hand. How do I win the game? Like right from the get go, you want to be deciding what do I need to do between now and whatever I decide how I win the game is. How do I set up for that? And you want to think about that. If you, if you, if, like you said, if I'm playing an aggro deck, I want to win on turn six. I got to think now on turn one, the things I need to do between now and one, between now and turn six in order to do that. And it's very, very proactive. It's like playing chess. You got to think like six, 10, 12, 18 turns in advance. Yeah. I think um, I think a good example of sort of just a, a you know the way to visualize it is the fact that like, let's say you're playing shaman uh, and you see that before the game even starts you see you're queuing up against a mage um, 
one of the things that you're going to want to do in the mulligan phase is look for your hex. You want to know that going into their turn where they're playing a mountain giant, you have an answer that they cannot replicate, you know, right. unless they want to have, you know, more one drops on board. Um, you're stopping one of their biggest power turns, and that's all you're trying to do in that matchup. Right. You are trying to make them play slow, because slow is where you win. Once they have that board space, and once you use both your Hagatha's uh, schemes and, and all the control that you've got, you're not coming back. So it is sort of that idea of just planning at a time for what your game plan is. If your game plan is to go long, make sure that your hand reflects that. If your game plan is to beat them before they beat you, or beat them before they have the chance to respond, make sure your hand reflects that. Um, is it is it pertinent in this conversation to talk about adjusting your, your game plan? Um, I we can we can delve into it a little bit. That's a whole large segment, and just 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 give give a brief rundown of, of because you know uh, there's only so much you can talk about when it comes to you know knowing what your win condition is and planning to get to it. But what do you do if say they burn your win condition? Like when when and how is a good time outside of the extreme example of that? When and how is a good time to look at um, when you should change your your strategy? For example, you're playing a mid range deck, right? Mid-range decks can they can win by by playing an aggro role or they can win by playing a little bit more of a controlling role. I think a mid-range deck, a lot of people like um I know for me, for example, when I watch people play mid-range decks, sometimes it feels like I'm playing against them and I can just tell they're playing it wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. So so maybe that's a good way of, of talking about or a good example of a deck that you could use for this for this topic. Yeah, absolutely. Um so we're talking about when talking about a mid-range deck and uh, and how it wants to win, things become extremely convoluted because because in certain... I'm going to start over, and I'm going to address your first question first because I've got a million thoughts on this right. topic. I'm getting super excited to talk about it. But so the question directly was... My brain completely shut off. When, is what happened. When when is it appropriate to change it to recognize that you need oh. to change your game plan? Okay, so that's something you need to evaluate at the beginning of every turn. Mm-hmm. Beginning of every turn, you need to say, okay, what is my win condition for this game? If the game plays out ideally, mm-hmm. what turn do I win it on, and what cards did I play to seal the deal? Right. With something like Cadgar Mage, it's the Cadgar Conjurer's calling win the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, with mid-range decks, you're mostly winning by chip damage, right? You're playing min- you're playing for the board, and you're trying to get the opponent down to 8 to 10 before you finish them with a little burst from your hand. And so you recognize your opponent's playing a mid-range deck wrong, even if you're not playing, even if you don't play mid-range, because you know they're not trading with your stuff when they should be, and they're not hitting you in the face when they should be, and just doing that wrong once loses you the game as a mid-range deck, which is why oftentimes people site mid-range decks as being some of the more difficult to uh, more difficult to pilot consistently not overall but just consistently okay so i think i think that overall uh we just need to remain cognizant of the fact that we need to decide whether we need to play to continue the game or play to end the game and with the aggro decks you're playing to end the game at all times. With the mid-range decks, you're trying to find a spot to really turn the corner and begin uh, and establish dominance on the board and, and win by one overwhelming swing turn. With a control deck, it's always in your best interest to extend the right. game. No matter what your play is, longer is better. If you can, yeah, if you can reserve the resources and be like, 
well, he can't kill me over the next 10 turns if I play this. You play because you're just trying to... Ex- yeah. You're trying to be Elysiana twice. So the the reason why I asked that was because when you're so when you're playing a game and, and you're at the point now because you're listening to X's advice and you can recognize that the mid range deck that you're playing against is improperly trading or they're or they're playing however they're playing their deck wrong, that's a time where you can change your game plan up and take advantage of that because they're giving you an opportunity with their mistakes to manipulate it for your advantage. Yeah, Eric, any thoughts? No, I think it's. I mean, I think it's a good breakdown. You couldn't have given X a harder task than to break down the <laughs> mid range, <laughs> right? Because mid range is one of those decks that is consistently changing its game plan mm-hmm. uh, and consistently has to evaluate. You know, you know, what am I going to be doing here? I think, uh, like, let's say it's instead like a control matchup. Then you can say, hey, changing your game plan is maybe you're going against a, uh, a hunter, and all of a sudden they've got their uh, scavenging hyena dealing twenty damage next turn. Uh, and it's turned whatever. Let's say three. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. That, that math is right. <laughs> then you might have to somehow cheat out your brawl for uh, four instead of the four mana, the five mana. Like like realizing those situations where you're just facing, you aren't going to be able to to last long enough with your current game plan. You're going to have to use your tools a little bit more aggressively. Right. Um, so yeah, I think X did a masterful job breaking down the mid range because I would not have been as good on the spot either. There's, there's... Uh, thank you very much. It came from my experience playing Evenlock. I mean, I just right. I only played about 600 games of the decks. So. <laughs> there is nobody that I know that I, I think I could have posed that question to on the fly and gotten such a good answer from because that's oh, why thank we call you. that's why we call you the deck doctor, my friend. Um, yeah. Excellent coaching advice and rundown of uh, how to identify your win condition and how to adjust it on the fly. Well done, my friend. Thank you. And with that, Eric, I yeah. think I think we're about a point in the show where now we want to sit down and we want to readdress that question we were asking at the beginning of the show. If you would like to reiterate what it was for, for those joining a little bit late. I would love to, and especially because my last time I explained this, it was like a paragraph long. Let me read directly <laughs> from the topic itself. So every week we have a Twitter poll question, part of the orbit, that is asked on our uh, Twitter account, twitter.com slash eternalorbitgg. I just posted a link to the poll in chat if you're interested in voting as well. Um, but our question for this week, Hearthstone Esports will be uh, using specialists as their tournament format going forward. Do you think they're making the right choice? If not, what kind of format would you prefer? Um, so really quickly, I'm just going to refresh my page to make sure that I've got the most up-to-date results. But right now, 15 votes in. We have what I think by far is our, our widest gap between answers Huge. yet. Um, we have 73% of people saying that they would prefer a different format. Um, and then 27% saying that they, they think Specialist is the right format for the identity of Hearthstone going forward. Um, which, honestly, I don't know about all of you, but that lines up. I think exactly with what I'm hearing and and what I kind of expected from, yeah. from other other voters. What about you? X, go ahead. I voted no. Yeah. I also Wait, voted no, no, excuse no. me. I voted yeah. I, I had it backwards in my head. I voted yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, oh, one, yeah. Of the, I was I vote, one of the four people. I voted no and it was for um it was for the reasons I noted earlier when we when we kind of touched on the subject. As much yeah. as I like um I like the idea of it. I don't want to reiterate too much what I said before. As much as I like the idea of of this pushing the skill based play and the um, and 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 really letting people like um, you know tech a deck and really and really um, show the strength of their own ability to pilot a a very specialized 
um, niche deck. I love that. I, I do love that in principle, but I have this genuine fear as somebody that, that likes to watch these tournaments that I'm just going to get bored watching the same matchups. And at the end of the day, I play this game for fun. I love this game because it's entertaining. And I will I will feel very sad if for the next year I just don't want to watch esports because it's boring. Now, that said, I'm going to... I hope I'm proved wrong after a few major events, but it, it, with reluctance, I, I I had to vote. I had I had to vote for no do something different because I I do have this genuine gnawing fear. So I hope I sound I don't sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm just trying to be honest. So my Which, uh, oh my apologies, X. <laughs> oh no, it's it's good, it's good, it's good. Um, my brain stopped working and I can't recall the last thing I said. What were you doing? Come on, brain. I know it just stopped working like twenty minutes ago. Um, as talking about just being, you know, kind of worried about the fact that there may be burnout watching these matches where you see similar matchup versus similar matchup, potentially polarizing matchup versus polarizing matchup. When it comes to when it comes to the scene, everybody enjoys Hearthstone in their own way, just as most people enjoy their own way. I know as far as for myself, I'm I'm not exactly the hardcore grinder that you know, for someone like Papa Jason or Fury Hunter or, you know, Sir Salty is like any any of these guys are just. I'm more like a casual competitive sort of guy, so I'm on board with as where I want to see it like that. But I understand that if, you know, if Sir Salty went to a tournament and there was variance or there was fun, that's no fun. He wants, right. you know, the most competitive, fair field possible. And I think that that's what this addresses. And I think this allows those people who are competitive to still have fun with the game of Hearthstone because ladder doesn't mean anything anymore. And that's an excellent point. I, I do not, I, yeah, I actually want to highlight that because at the end of the day, these guys, the people that are consistently going to these things are absolute professionals and they don't care what is fun and entertaining. They want to win. Uh, but, you know, I voted selfishly. I voted with my heart. So, <laughs> Eric, can I uh, interject really quickly for you as and say, which format would you prefer to take the place of specialist if you had a choice in it? Um, honestly, we've seen what Conquest can be. As much as I enjoyed the Conquest format, having played it and watched it, because it shows you variety. And there's something to be said about, you know, a pro being able to play multiple different decks well. Um, mm. those those matches can take a long time, and that's not as much fun to watch. So if they could find a happy medium between the two, I I I'd be good with that. Um, I don't know what that answer is yet because I don't think it's been invented yet. Um, and I'm not totally ruling out the specialist format. Like I said, I'm just afraid of seeing you know control war- warrior versus um slightly bomb oriented control warrior versus like dragon control warrior matchups. Um. Mm. Or something, you know, some some similar to that, you know, three different variations of Temple Rogue. I'm 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 worried about seeing a bunch of matchups like that, and I just hope I'm being cynical and wrong. Um, yeah. But I, I, I I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, but in a vacuum, I had to vote with my heart. Yeah, of course. Um, my note, really quickly, uh, I do want to address the two formats that we have seen in the past with Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. There's Conquest, which was most seen recently at Worlds itself. Conquest. Um, each player brings, I, I believe they brought four. I thought um, it was five. Yeah, for, for Worlds. Was it five? I think it was five. Okay, then I was in my head. Because, again, that makes weird matchups. Was it four? No, oh, it was four. I'm sorry. One. It was four. I'm yeah, sorry. It was four. What am I thinking? What am I, I thinking? I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah. good. I'm sorry. Don't worry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you could ban one deck, yeah. uh, or one class, I should say, and then the other people get to play their three classes. Mm-hmm. And how it goes is when you win with the class, uh, you can't play that deck anymore. 
and you have to win with all three decks that you brought. Um, whereas another format last year of standing is the exact opposite. Um, what you do, you pick a deck, you win with that deck, you have to stay with it until you lose. Um, those are the two that we've seen most frequently. I myself, I am going to concede the fact that Conquest matches take a long time. As much as I really was happy about watching 12 hours of Hearthstone, right. I was also very sleepy about watching 12 hours of Hearthstone. Um, so again, that would have to be addressed in some way. But I really do in my most, if it was just, hey, Eric, be as selfish as you want, just pick an answer, it would be Conquest for me. Because it's about it's a blast seeing the variety. Right. Um, and And just, I don't know. It makes things like the mirror matches, I would say, which are my least favorite part usually, just because they can depend on the draw sometimes, and that's just how it goes. These players are at the point where the draw isn't as impactful as it is at low levels, but if someone just has their, their mountain giant conjuring, you know, lined up right on curve, and their person has just not just, just BS in their hand, right. uh, that's there's only so much you can do about that. So, yeah, that's what I would go for, but I... Um, I think for the good of Hearthstone esports, the good of Hearthstone being a brand that wants to be known more about, I think, a, a, more, a little more seriously in the competitive scene. A lot of people just say, wow, RNG, wow, esports, whatever, in Twitch chat when things happen. If right. you bring in a mode, a mode like Specialist, it is rewarding skillful players more than other form. So, yeah. X, I think you're at least around the ball with that, even though I don't think it's fun. <laughs> um, and then finally, that sort of transitions us over to... Um, a real quick Q&A. If anyone does have any questions for us, please feel free to uh, yeah. ask us something in chat, whether it's about worlds, whether it's about um, upcoming esports, whether it's about our personal you know, streams, what we thought of Avengers, that sort of thing. No spoilers in chat, though. No spoilers. Uh, I do want to bring up really quickly, because Ashley Berry did bring it up. Yes. Um, but they want to know, what is the best and easiest way to tell what deck your opponent is playing in a matchup? So... X, I'll let you take the lead on that since that was during the coaching corner. Mm -hmm. So to tell to tell what there are a lot of meta and off meta decks at the moment, uh, it's because the meta is in such flux. The best way to or the best thing you can do is not try to tell exactly what deck they uh, what thirty cards they're running, but what their archetype is, and then imagine in your own head, well, what would I play against whatever deck you're playing? Yes if I were that deck and try to play around that. You get to a point where you're trying to play, if you get to the point where you're trying to play around too many cards and you're not using your mana crystals because of it, then that's where you've gone too far and you're just, you're playing around yourself. Um, you're playing yourself. Yes. And if anybody listens to rap music, you know, the first thing's first. Don't, Don't ever, you ever play. play yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's that's well stated, um, X. And and the other thing is just practice, just familiarity. The more you play, the more you'll recognize decks. I know that um, like when I play both on and off screen, I verbally out loud I will say, Okay, I'm playing a warlock, so it's you know, and I'll just mm -hmm. I'll throw out numbers that feel intuitive. So I'll be like, Oh, it's warlock, so it's a seventy five percent chance based on what I've been playing. The, over the last couple of days that it's a zoo lock and it's a you know a 10% a chance that it's a you know plot twist or whatever you know I'll, I'll yeah. throw those things out there and I will adjust them as I as I see what they play so if I go into it and I assume they're a zoo lock and they 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 pass and they tap the first two turns I'm probably gonna have to re reassess that but I'm yes. going to make an educated guess and I'm going to change that as I get new information um, but for me it's always been familiarity just through playing a whole lot of games and then recognizing the indicators reading your opponent how they're playing you know um sometimes it's just it's little information like 
Um, if they mulligan a lot of cards or if they're playing with the cards a lot, or if they, if they pass really fast, you know, all of these little things can give you clues as to what they're doing. But at the end of the day, um, how they play their first couple of car- turns should tell you exactly, again, like X said, this is very important, the archetype, not the exact deck list that they're playing. Because yeah. the archetype is important because the archetype is going to have basically 24 to 26 of the same cards in it. Um, but it's going to play the same way. And if they tech out a few different cards for what they're facing or because they don't have a complete collection, the deck's still going to play generally the same. Um, and I want to reiterate something that I said it's super, super important. Don't mind screw yourself too much by overthinking the the big scary in the deck. Well, I got to save this for Rafab. Most of these games are going to be won by, by making correct decisions for your play, not to play around what they're doing. Um, so, uh, just my thoughts on that. Yeah. Eric? And I think that's, and it gets tough because I think we are speaking from a vacuum of, you know, starting every season at rank four, rank five, and then working our way to legend. Um, and it can be tough when you're anyone who's, who's pretty much, I'd say 15 plus is where it starts to get especially wild, but mm-hmm. even 10 plus, sometimes you see those, those more off meta picks. Yep. Um, Important things, like Azrael said, just put the time in. You'll start to recognize patterns, and you'll start to really see, okay, it's a mage. I've only gone against summon mage today. Like, it's got to be some form of summon mage. Um, right. Pay attention to sites like hsreplay.net. They will be, uh, they keep up-to-date meta analysis for what's being played the most. Um, up to the minute. Uh, yeah, up to the minute. Even even better. There's a lot of people consistently feeding them statistics, um, myself included. So, uh, something reliable there. And then... Um, yeah, yeah, just just really go off those percentages in your head. A tough thing for me when the, the season really started was trying to differentiate, okay, am I going against a Beast Hunter or a Mech Hunter? Because at the start, a lot of people were sort of splitting both. At this mm-hmm. point, Mech Hunter's sort of taken over that. Or Bomb. Not like Beast Hunter's far behind. Or Bomb, yeah. Um, sometimes, but it's usually some sort of mechanical list. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of format a game plan around that, and then all of a sudden, if I see a card that should not be necessarily in a mech list let's just say high main gets dropped down and somehow i didn't realize before turn six uh <laughs> that that this was now a beast hunter uh mid-range hunter then like those are your little tip-offs and um you just keep an eye out for that you'll you'll be in a better spot but yep. always let us know ash you know you're we like all three of us are big fans of you so please feel free to drop by any of our streams at any point and uh we'd be happy to answer more in depth and and one one more note um uh, before i think we wrap things up for the day um, yeah. along with the format change that, that, that we're doing, um, give us your feedback, you know, hit us up on, uh, on the oh. eternal orbit Twitter. Let us know if you like the format, if you like the structure and the pacing of the show, if you have any comments or suggestions, um, uh, also the website, you can go on there and you can comment. Um, and in the future, moving forward, um, the Q and a section, we're going to ask you guys to submit a question in advance. Um, we might do this by Twitter. We might do this by the, um, the website. We're still going to play around with it, but in the future, we're going to take one question in advance and we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to give a more prepared, uh, more thorough answer, um, moving forward. So that's another change that we're working on in the future. So, but we're, we're definitely curious to see your guys's feedback on the changes that we're making. Yeah. So this has been exciting. I really like the way that we've sort of gone about this episode. I think Um, so too. We are, as we mentioned, we are in the in the midst of sort of a structure change, and I think it went really well. So again, great job to my fellow co-hosts who <laughs> I feel like we all did a very good job adapting to this, and, yeah. and I really appreciate the time that uh, that everyone took here to to make sure that things went smooth. And I don't know, good time. Yeah, thank you for everyone for watching. <laughs>
yeah, a big thanks to the crowd for for showing up again and, and hanging out and uh, being active in the chat and giving us great questions and uh, and just being the best part of of each and every one of our streams in our community. So thank you all for being here. Hey, yes, yes, sir. We're on iTunes. Holy oh, yeah. crap, guys! We're on iTunes. If you caught the end of the show, tune in tomorrow because it'll be on iTunes and it'll be on. Uh, and what's the status on the other the other ones, real quick? Great question. I'm not sure. I actually, after this episode, <laughs> am going to look because Spotify was supposed to take two to five business days at most, and it has it been well over eight to nine business days. Those so I am going to be debated angrily. Yeah, I'm going to be angrily scrolling <laughs> through my submission to see what the heck is happening. But we should be available anywhere that you can listen to a podcast very, very shortly. I promise I will not sleep well until it happens. <laughs> but so, no, for real, like for real, for real. We're on iTunes, though. We're on iTunes, <laughs> which is just insane. Still, I, I, I look, I can't say it without smiling. The guys listening at home and gals listening at home and turtles listening at home. I'm smiling when I say this because it's crazy that we're on iTunes. But we're on iTunes. If you want to watch the VOD, it's going to be on the website. Uh, the VOD will be on the website. The The podcast will be on the website. They're available on iTunes. You can get it on YouTube. We got it everywhere. Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, I, this was episode nine. Nine, guys, we're on the big double digits next week. Uh, so tune in again next week, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I'm your host, Azrael, joined once again by my, my co-hosts, Exiles Rhythm and Root yep. Clouds. Thank you again for joining us today. That'll do it. Stay, uh, I don't know, I, I don't have a cool sign-off. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Goodbye. Buy the merch.